Hello and welcome to Wonderful. I'm David Pearl, the founder of Street Wisdom, and this is a podcast we've designed for anyone who wants to get some inspiration on the go. Today, a lot of us are listening to podcasts while we walk. Wonderful is a podcast designed specifically for that, a podcast to walk to, something to put a bit of wonder in your wonder. You're welcome to listen to this as you wander around your home or lying on the sofa even, you'll find inspiration is actually everywhere. But if you've got a bit of time, and let's face it, we've all got a bit of time, let's boot up and head out into the street. So hello there wanderellas, wanderfellas, lovers of the wander all. People who are willing to get lost and find the unexpected. Hello there, this is David, and I'm being joined by a lovely dog. What's his or her name? Bogey. Bogey. Bodie. Bodie. <laughs> the boy. He's a lovely boy. Um, so, morning from me and Bodie. It's crisp, it's cold, it's sunny. I've got my woolly hat on. And Andrew, our producer, is looking with smug. It's smug look of the man who's inside in the warm. But, he, but you've also got a scarf on, so you're not taking any chances. I'm at Founts Clean Safely. Andrew's looking at me like, yeah, he's finally lost it. I will explain. I will explain how I can describe where I am in three words a little bit later. But first, hello. I hope you're well. Thank you for rejoining us on this one. I'm super excited, actually, because today we get to talk to somebody who I've been a, an admirer of from a distance for, for, for decades. Satish Kumar. A great man, like most great men, he probably wince at the uh, description, but a great human being. Um, he's a, a, a great educator, he set up the Schumacher College. Uh, he is a great communicator, uh, the founder of Resurgence magazine. He's a, he's a walker for peace. He's walked the globe in the, in, in the, in the interest of peace. A thinker, a doer a great champion of nature and of humans as nature. I, I, I came away even more inspired having spoken to him. So it was a beautiful, wandery, purposelessly purposeful conversation. And we it covered the relationship between economy and ecology and how that should and could be strengthened, the relationship and the balance between the human and the natural and thinking of humans as nature. Um, You'll hear me ask him about, this is a guy who's walked for peace. What does walking mean for him now? How does it liberate him and stuff? And why is he never grumpy, given the state of the world and all that's possible? And he tells us about that. But he begins with three words, uh, which are kind of sum up his, his key to a better, healthier world. And before we get to them, I just wanted to mention this wonderful app. I've been a fan of it for a long while called What Three Words. And if you don't know about it, what they've done is they've, um, you know that GPS map has mapped the entire globe into three meter by three meter tiles, as it were. And what What Three Words does, it takes those tiles and instead of giving them a number or an impersonal sort of scientific designation, it, um, they've given three random words, a combination of three random words, could be any word. Um, and that gives each tile its own distinctive flavour. So the, seat, the, the square I'm sitting in right now is called Founts Clean Safely. 
The house I grew up in, I just looked at, is called Unity Rocky Organ. No comment on that. Uh, 10 Downing Street, Sound Bikes and Foil. Eiffel Tower, Lamp Image Inhaled. You get the idea. The, what's useful about the app is that it means that you can, and it, the emergency services use it because it's a, it's a way of finding people who are somewhere where there aren't any streets or numbers or um, other designations. Um, but the thing I find beautiful about it is also it poeticizes every, um, every place in the world. Every place has got these three words that attach to it and gives it a certain spirit, certain, certain uniqueness. I love that. So what are, you ask, Satish Kumar's three words? What are the, the three words that he thinks sums up a direction for us that we could be taking to make this world a healthier, happier place? I'll let him tell you. Uh, put your... Put your virtual hands together for the wonderful Satish Kumar. You know, the great transformation, change and revolution has to be summarized in three words. If you take French Revolution, they summarize their vision and their values in egalité, liberty and fraternity. So now we are in the age of transformation again and a change. And we are in the age of more holistic thinking because things are at the moment very divided and disconnected. And, and either you are a spiritual person or you are an environmentalist or you are a social justice uh, kind of campaigner, but they don't meet, they don't come together. And we as human beings are whole beings. We are not just kind of spiritual or just physical or just social or just environmental. So I wanted to have a new trinity for our time. And that trinity should represent a holistic thinking, a holistic, interconnected, interrelated. Everything connects with each other. So I came up with this new trinity for our time. And that trinity, I said, is soil, soul, and society. Oh. Now, I put soil first, uh, David, because human beings are literally soil beings. The word human comes from humus in Latin. And humus means soil. So human beings are soil beings. Our body is soil transformed. The food we eat, Bread, rice, vegetables, fruit, they're all soil transformed. They all come from the soil. The house we, in which we live, the wood, the bricks, everything comes from the soil. So, so without soil, we cannot live. But in our modern society, nobody talks about soil. So I put soil first. But then... I also say that we are not just physical soil beings. We are also spiritual beings. We are soul. We are spirit. We are imagination. So I bring soil in the middle. And then also I say we are spiritual beings, but we are also social beings. So we are soil beings. We are spiritual beings. And we are social beings. And so how we bring the social dimension we live in big cities, big towns, 
But there's a society there and we don't see each other. We don't know our neighbors. We don't, we think, oh, they are Muslims or they are Jews or they are blacks or they are whites or they are some, somebody else. So how to be more social, even in an urban situation particularly. So this is why I brought Soil, Soul, Society as a new trinity. It's just cool. It's amazing. I live, by the way, with a ceramicist. My wife, Joe is a ceramicist, and so she is in love, wildly in love with soil, with the clay, breathing life into the clay. And it made, it's made me think, you know, it's made me think how intrinsically connected we are with you know, how our utensils were made from the earth and so on. But you go even further and remind us that we are, we are, we are from the soil. And it strikes me so interesting how many words associated with soil have become to mean negative. So soiling yourself or dirt, the word dirt, mm -hmm. um, you know, it, it's, it's dismissive and people don't realize there's only, it's, I was, I was uh, working with a, with a soil expert recently and it was really extraordinary to remember that, you know, she said, you know, basically it doesn't matter what we do, our existence here is dependent on six inches of soil and the fact it rains. That's, That's it. Exactly. Exactly. Yeah. I mean, you say dirt. I often say to people, dirt is not dirty. Yeah. The soap may be dirty. <laughs> <laughs> dirt is not dirty. And so all these words, but we have denigrated soil. But even as you say, you are in, in London and many people live in London. Even in London, I say to people that you can have uh, you can have a little um, window um, plants, window sills, and there you can have some soil. And and even in in cities, you can have a small garden and with a little soil, and and you can make soil. All your food, you have bananas. Banana leaves can be made into soil. You have uh, oranges. You can turn oranges into soil. Orange orange leaves, orange peels. You have a, uh, if you peel um, potatoes, those peels can become soil. So you can make soil, you can build soil, you can put soil in a pot, you can plant another soil seed. And that's from soil, the seed will become a tree or, or um, a bush. And so it's a miracle of soil. Soil is the real magic maker. Yeah. If you put one tiny seed of tomato into the soil, that one little tiny tomato, very, very small, some, some millimeters small, that one tomato seed will plant, will become a big plant, and that one plant will become 100 tomatoes. And each tomato will have a 20, 30 more little seeds. It's a magic. And so <laughs> even in cities, you can experience this magic. I 100% agree with you. I wonder how many of our listeners also felt during the pandemic, they began to look at the garden, they began to appreciate it and began to, I started germinating seeds and started growing, as you say, tomatoes. And I have to say with some, with huge delight and some shame, the sheer magic of that, the, the magic of if you put a seed in, it knows what to do. Um, to watch it grow. I've got an acorn at the moment that somebody gave me over Christmas and I'm just watching it without any instruction, without going to Cambridge, without any electricity, just turn itself into a little oak tree. It, it is, it, until you hear this, but until you can experience it, 
yeah. it, it, it passes you by. Yeah, 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 absolutely, it's, absolutely. So and the thing is that we are, nature and humans are one. Um, people have said that nature is out there in the forest and the, and the parks and the gardens and the rivers and the mountains and the animals and the birds and so on. But humans are as much nature as anything else. And the reason I say is that, like I said, in Latin, human comes from humus, which means soil. Also in Latin, the word nature is natal, natura. natura. And, and that means birth. For example, when a woman is pregnant, she has a prenatal check. And after the birth, the postnatal check. What does natal mean? Simply, natal means birth. So nature comes from birth. So anything what is born is nature. Humans are born, so we are nature. Yeah. So this idea that nature and humans are separate yeah. is a mistake. It's we different. somehow, our universities, our Cambridge, you mentioned, and Oxford and big, big universities, they teach you that humans are separate from nature. And so we have a control over nature and we can dominate nature and we can use nature for human use. And, and the value of nature is only how much valuable it has for humans. We don't value nature in its own right. We don't see the intrinsic value of nature. We only see value of nature, how useful it is for humans. Yeah. I think this is where our urban societies like London, Paris, New York, Beijing, Bombay, all these people have forgotten that we are nature and nature is there in cities as well as in, in towns, as well as in villages, as well as in forests and mountains. So nature is everywhere. We are all nature. There's no separation. And therefore, we should not think in terms of dominating nature, controlling nature, overpowering nature. But we have to think about uh, living in harmony with nature and, and making good use of nature, not misuse of nature, because we are nature. How do you revere nature on a daily basis? I mean, I'm very fortunate. I live in North Devon, in a small village called Heartland, which is near the sea, Atlantic Ocean. But I have two acres of garden and I have 15 apple trees wow. and a beautiful garden. With I've been building this garden and the soil for the last 42 years. Wow. And I make compost. I have four compost bins and I planted nearly 200 trees and 15 apple trees. So... I'm very close to nature. I am nature and I'm very close to nature. Yeah. So every day I am out in the garden and my uh, garden and two acres and, and my home are slightly outside the village. Just about five minute walk, but still it's outside the village. So there are no other houses nearby. Uh, my house is just in the garden. And so for me, being in nature is being in temple. Being in nature is being in a church or in a mosque, or in a synagogue, or in a cathedral. It's a sacred place for me. So the moment I go in nature, all my fear, anxiety, um, anger, uh, ego, separation, all melt away. And I am one with nature. And there's a river flowing at the bottom of my garden. I sit, I put two chairs there. So my wife and I, we sit together and we meditate on the river. And we say, river is our teacher. 
The water is our teacher. Look at the water. It flows and flows and flows. Never gets stuck anywhere. If we can learn from water to flow, uh, and if we can flow like water, that, then we are never worried, never anxious, never stuck with anything. Let go, let go, let go. That's the teaching of water. And water, it's indiscriminate. Water does not say that only the rich and the saintly people can drink my water and quench their thirst. Water can be drunk by a king or a beggar, or a saint or a sinner, a priest or a prisoner, whoever you are, water never discriminates. Never say you are bad or good. That is a kind of equanimity. And that's a kind of, um, without discrimination, giving and nurturing and nourishing all living beings, humans, animals, birds, plants, seeds, everything is nurtured by water. So we sit by the water and we just contemplate, meditate on water. And by meditating on water, we say we are nourished. Oh, it's beautiful. Your, your, your body of work is, is just a very, it's very impressive. And uh, I thought, you know, I really must bone up. I must get myself, I must get myself up to, you know, satish sort of resonance and stuff. But then I thought, stop reading, stop worrying, go out. Because street wisdom is all about just be out and connect with your senses. And it's very funny because I was walking in the center of Crouch End and suddenly there was a water leak, uh, a mains water leak. And I said to my wife, isn't it amazing how water will not stop? Because it was coming down the hill and it was finding its way unstoppably down the hill. Very similar in a way, weird, very urban version of what you just said. And I was just thinking how wise, how wise the elements are. I was also sitting just to be quiet before we met and I was in the garden which I've come to love. I, I adore. We've also got two chairs, funny enough, one for me and my wife outside her ceramic studio. And I just looked at nature and breathed and it told me patience. Patience. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah. yeah. I noticed today I've been very agitated yeah. about different things and I just suddenly got this sense of all in good time. It's February. It's not hurrying to spring. It will do what it needs to do when it needs to do it. And I just thought, ah. Oh. Yeah, yeah, absolutely, absolutely, yeah. You know, the thing is that nature is everywhere. We are nature. And the cities are as much nature as rural areas. So uh, what is nature? Nature is made of earth, air, fire, water, and consciousness. So we say whether you are in a city or rural areas. Or village. Earth, air, fire, water are everywhere. Yes. And what we need to understand is that earth, air, fire, water are conscious. Mm. Nature is intelligent. Mm. Nature is not a machine. Mm. Nature is a living organism. Mm. Our scientific mind and intellectual thinking, analytical thinking, has seen nature as like a machine, Newtonian physics that nature machine, that's where we have separated ourselves. The moment, the Indian philosophy is that nature is conscious. Nature is divine, sacred, and conscious, intelligent. A seed of an apple knows how to become an apple tree. An apple seed never becomes a pear tree, or apple seed never becomes a plum tree. It becomes an apple tree. An oak, you mentioned, acorn, knows how to become an oak. 
So that consciousness, that memory, Akon is he's, has a memory. And so this is a kind of morphic resonance that Rupert Sheldrake has talked about. Yeah, yeah. So this is the kind of understanding that nature is a living organism. Planet is a living organism. Planet is a Gaia, the goddess um, of the earth. The moment you have that consciousness, then your relationship with the natural world is so beautiful, so powerful, so nourishing. We have no more ego because ego separates and eco um, connects. So we have to move from ego to eco. And the moment you move from ego to eco, you feel connected. And the moment the divisions end, all our suffering ceases. It's the divisions, the conflicts, the separation um, makes all the conflict. The moment we say we are all part of nature and the unity of life manifesting in millions and millions of forms, they all come from earth, air, fire, water. The source of life is one and manifesting in millions of forms. So diversity, we celebrate. We don't fight our diversity. Diversity and unity dance together. Yeah. The moment we can celebrate diversity and see it unity and through diversity, we see unity. Then we are, whether we are in London or Paris or Bombay or Beijing, doesn't matter. You are celebrating nature wherever you are. This is my philosophy. Where do you get the energy and do you get ever feel as though despair, as though you can look around and see people, you know, a little bit, you know, pretty unconscious at this age. How do you, how do you, how do you generate the energy that you have? I teach mainly, I mean, I've spoken at universities and I have various places, but um, my main teaching is at Schumacher College. And I get inspiration as well as energy, as well as hope from young people. Mm. I see young people are very different. And there's a new generation of young people emerging. And they are interested in gardening. They are interested in farming. They are interested in nature. They are interested in doing something with their hands. They are not happy just having everything like a consumer. They want to be makers. They want to be creators. They want to pottery, do pottery. They do woodwork. They build a house. And these students who come to Shimaha College, we have education of head, education of heart, and education of hands. The head, heart, and hands, like soil, soul, society together, the new trinity at Shimaha College. And that's the education of head, education of hearts, education of hands. And that's what gives me inspiration. That's my active hope. Because hope is not a passive. Hope is not that something will turn out. No, no. We act. We make our hope realized. We make our hope manifest through our action. So active hope. Um, and that I get inspiration from my young students who come to Shivaka College. We are teaching gardening, cooking, uh, science, um, uh, economics of regenerative economics, um, regenerative design, everything we teach, but connecting with nature. Earth-centered education, nature-centered education, not job-centered education, not money-centered education, not profit-centered education, but nature-centered education. The moment we have a good relationship with nature, then everything will be provided. It's nature provides. 
So banks don't give you food. Banks <laughs> don't give you houses. Banks don't give you clothes. It's the nature which gives you uh, food and clothes and, and the houses which we build and furniture and everything we build. So everything comes from nature. The banks and money is only a kind of facilitator of exchange. But they don't. They are not the uh, the end result. They they are the only the means. The end is nature. I hear you. I, I love the story you tell about going to the LSE and asking them if they had any. Well, actually, why don't you why don't you share that that because I'd never thought of the link between economy and ecology. But it's it's a beautiful it's a beautiful connection you make there. Yes. Uh, yeah. Certainly, I was very honored and privileged to be invited by LSE. to speak to students and professors and lecturers there and so uh, in the hong kong hall it was a big nice meeting and so i asked the professors and teachers and and lecturers and students there that do you teach ecology in your university and this is the lsc is the london school of economics so the, school of listeners economics. that don't know yeah yeah london school of economics um so i said do you teach um uh, ecology together with economics They said, "No, no, no. We are the University of Economics. We have some environmental studies, but ecology is not our part of curriculum." So I said, "Do you know the meaning of economy and the meaning of ecology?" And they said, "Oh, ecology, economy means a kind of budget making, finance, banking, all that." I said, "No, no, no, no. That's not the real meaning of economy. Ecos means home, and the wisdom of the Greek philosophers." The entire planet is our home, and nomos means management. So, uh, management of planet home is economy, and ecology means knowledge of the planet home. Logos means knowledge. So, ecology is made of ecos and logos. So, you don't teach knowledge of your household. Please tell me, how are you going to manage your household if you don't know your household? So you have to change the name of your university and call it LSEE, -E, London School of Ecology and Economics, and must teach ecology together with economics. Without um, ecology, economics can be dangerous, and this is why the world economy is in a mess because all your highly educated graduates in their thousands go around the world. Managing economy and economy is in a mess because they don't know what they are managing because they have not studied ecology. So ecology and economics go together like walking on two legs, two feet. You don't walk on one leg or one foot. You walk on two legs and two feet. So in the same way, ecology and economy are two legs of the same truth, same reality. You're known to be a bit of a walker, or you have been in the past, done some pretty epic walking. A lot of the listeners to this podcast love walking, and they love the freedom it gives them and the way it helps their body think. Tell us, if you would, a little bit about your pilgrimages and your peace walking. Um, I mean, obviously, you've written books about it and so on, but what would you say has been for you maybe the Some of the lessons that you learned when you were out there crossing the world on foot with no money. Yes, absolutely. Now, walking. My mother was a great walker, and and uh, and many philosophers have said that don't trust a philosophy 
which has not been tested by walking. So walking is freeing, liberating. When you are walking, you are free. You are free spirit. Your body is free. Your mind is free. You are not bound. And so I, as I said, my mother was a great walker. She always walked to our farm. And so when I was 26 years old, I was inspired by Bertrand Russell. He was protesting against the nuclear weapons. And, and he was arrested. He was put in jail for one week. And when I read as a young man sitting in India in a coffee house, I said to my friend who was with me, look, here is a man of 90 going to jail for peace in the world. What are we doing, young men, sitting here drinking coffee? It's a shame on us. <laughs> and that was the kind of seed of inspiration that we decided to walk for peace. But when you're walking for peace, you are putting your body where your mouth is, putting on body online. And so my friend and I decided then and there on that very day that we will walk to four nuclear capitals of the world. So we started from New Delhi and we walked to Moscow, Paris, London and Washington, D.C. Four nuclear capitals, 8,000 miles over two and a half years. And we walked through 15 countries, rich countries, poor countries, communist countries, capitalist countries, Christian countries, Muslim countries, all the kind of countries that you can imagine. And so that was a great journey. And I can tell you that those two and a half years walking without any money, for two and a half years, we don't touch any money. And depending on the hospitality of the strangers, every day, we started in the morning, we would not know where we will stay, whether we will get any food, whether we will get any bed, nothing we knew. Every day was a new experience. That was quite exhilarating. And letting go, letting go of all expectations, letting go of expectations is the greatest and most difficult part of letting go. But we had to let go every day of any expectation because we did not know, we would not know what will happen, whether we will get food or shelter or bed or not. So that was a great experience. And I've written a book called Pilgrimage for Peace. And in it, I told the whole story that how we walked through Pakistan, Afghanistan, Iran, Russia, Europe, America, Japan, all these countries and different cultures. And yet we had hospitality in every country. Of course, there were difficulties, there were hardships. Uh, we had blisters, we had um, a knee ache, uh, ankle pain, uh, we had uh, no be bed for sometimes, no food sometimes. Um, uh, we had many difficulties, but those difficulties were good. Right. I welcome difficulties. I say if their journey was all smooth and simple, we could go by aeroplane, we could go by train or car. <laughs> Having some difficulties makes you resilient. So yeah. I enjoyed having difficulties. I welcomed difficulties and, uh, and problems. And so that way, I learned so much by walking. And if you are walking, even in London or Paris, in a city, if you are walking, you are free. Walk every day. Mm. If you want to experience and taste of freedom, then you walk. 
And when you're walking, you're carrying no burden on your shoulders. You're not worried. You're just walking. You can't do anything else but walk. Mm. And so, or listen this this podcast maybe, but you walk. <laughs> so by walking, you connect with the soil. By walking, you connect with your soul, your spirit, your consciousness, your imagination. Your answers come when you're walking. All your questions can be answered when you're walking. And you connect with other people. You connect with a landscape. You connect with cities. You see other people. You see children playing in the street. You see women walking, men walking. So that kind of panoramic experience and view of the world, you can only see by walking. If you're in a car, you don't see anything. You are just looking ahead to avoid any accident. If you're by train, you are only um, focusing on your destination. But when you are walking, you have no destination. Important thing is not where you are going to get to. Importance is to going. The, the, the process of walking is more important than the destination. Yeah. So no destination, no goal, nothing to achieve, nothing to accomplish, no expectation, just walking. Total freedom. Yeah. One of the things that interests me is, is, is how we might be able to make our cities more what I call livable and lovable. And I think that's a lot to do with the fear of the stranger. And I'm just wondering whether there was anything that you learned about our fellow humans when you were on your walks, about how to engage with them and about their innate generosity or, or I mean, because there are some, there are some people for whom the streets, the public spaces are very dangerous and very threatening places. I just wondered, I just wondered, what is your take on strangers, if you like, meeting people so you don't my, know? My take is, let go of fear. Yes. And cultivate trust. Because there's no one who is stranger. We are all strangers, but we are not strangers. Yeah, yeah. We are all pilgrims of life. Ooh. And therefore, trust everybody. And talk to everybody. Don't worry, 99.9% .9 or even more percent, people are good. Yeah. I experienced that. I went through, as I said, poor people, rich people, Muslims, Hindus, Christians, Jews, communists, capitalists, they're all your friends. Have no enemies. Enemies are only a creation of your mind. There are no enemies. So I have no enemy. I don't hate anybody. There's no hurt or pain which cannot be healed by love, by trust. Drop your fear. And if you are a walker, you have to drop your fear. Because if you have fear, you can't go away. Because you don't know who will meet. Even dogs can do something. Even <laughs> something can happen. So you don't fear. If you fear, you cannot be a good walker. Walk, walking and fearing don't go together. So my recipe for a good walker among the strangers is there's no one is stranger. Everybody's a good human being. <laughs> They're all your friends. Trust them and, and have no fear, no expectation, no destination. Just trust and love in your heart. That's a pilgrimage. If you, if you have the state of mind of a pilgrim, then you trust. And, and if hardship comes, if difficulties come, if you encounter some negative situation, welcome it. That will make you strong. And you, you give you only the test of your love and your trust is when you meet 
and encounter a difficult situation. Mm. If everything is good and hunky-dory and no problem comes, there's no resilience. There's no um, solution. But when problems come and you can solve those problems with trust and love and, and, uh, and, and generosity of spirit, that is your real test. So fear not anybody. Fear is your true enemy. There's no other enemy. So mm. overcome fear and cultivate trust and love. We're coming to the end of our time a little bit. We could go on and on, I, I'm sure. But I, I think where I, one of the things that very touched me, uh, you've mentioned Latin already, but you've rewritten Descartes, which I thought was really interesting because I think one of the learnings that I've had doing street wisdom is in some ways there is no other, that, that the relationship between the other and yourself is, is, is you know, you're actually meeting yourself at one level. Could you talk a little bit about your 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 version of cogito ergo sum? I think, therefore, I am. You, in my view, evolved it, and I'm very curious uh, to tell if you could tell us a bit about that. Yeah, I mean, I think uh, Descartes was responsible for creating the separation between mind and matter, between nature and humans. The dualism, the Cartesian dualism is a, a root cause of separational thinking. And, and also, this is where he said, I think, therefore I am. Not the, the soil is therefore I am, or nature is therefore I am, or you are therefore I am. Uh, I, our ancestors were therefore I am, but I think therefore I am. And this is a kind of, in a way, root cause of many of our uh, contemporary problems. So what I have written, a book, in answer to Cartesian dualism and Cartesian doubt, and Cartesian separation. I've written a book called You Are, Therefore I Am. The earth is, therefore I am. The water and fire and, and air are, therefore I am. We cannot separate ourselves. We are made of each other. The whole cosmos is our country. Whole planet earth is our home. Nature is our nationality. And love is our religion. Where is separation? Where is the dualism? When the separation ends, suffering ceases and when separation comes suffering comes so so why humanity is suffering today from pollution from waste from global global uh, climate change from biodiversity diminishing for wars in ukraine in iraq in yemen in kashmir in, in tension about uh, taiwan all this is a cause for cartesian dualism and separation so we have to say we are one earth one humanity and one nature, whole cosmos is our country, whole planet Earth is our home, and nature is our nationality, and love is our religion, where is separation? So goodbye, René Descartes. Let's start a new consciousness. You see what I mean about the... the uh... Wow, the, the, the beautiful, clear, glistening stream of insight that is Satish Kumar. I just feel, I just feel buoyed up having listened to him. Wonderful. And as this is wonderful, the podcast, we're going to end with an offer of a little experience where we take an idea that our guest has offered and turn it into a little exercise. I think Satish gave us a beautiful one in, in what uh, we could call the trust walk. Um, so building on the ideas that, that he gave us, what I'd love us to do for the next 10 minutes, and I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to do, 
it's a simple but profound one, I think, which is to walk. And as you walk, look at, look at the strangers, the people you don't know yet. Uh, and as you see them, say to yourself, um, I trust you, you can trust me. Just say that to yourself. To help you, when I do something like this, I'll help me, I will say, I am you, you are me. If you look at a stranger, not as a strange person, but as a part of yourself, reuniting with yourself, that can help. And the other thought you might want to add in as you do your trust work, walk, is just remember the soil we're walking on and that we are soil. Just as there's no real difference between us and the strangers we meet, there really is no difference between us and the environment we're walking through. We came from soil, we will go back to soil. And that might be a way of um, adding another dimension to the walk. So the trust walk, let's go, let's go do a trust walk and see what happens. See you in 10 minutes. Hey Wanderistas, welcome back. How was that? I had an interesting little walk there. Um, I think, difficult to say, I would say that with some people, the trust that, I, I felt trust beamed back. In other cases, I fancy, and I don't know this, but I fancy that I could feel distrust. I could feel, as, as, I, as I looked, as I, as I sought to look with trust, I could feel that, that was, uh, there was a reserve in other people. And I think that's probably um, understandable. I think people uh, in the cities and, uh, and, and wherever we are, uh, we've sort of been taught to um, mistrust the stranger. I write about that in Wonderful in the book. Um, but I'm always, I'm always reminded that a lovely phrase, you know, stranger is just someone whose story you haven't heard yet. I think that's interesting. Um, I tell you who does respond though is dogs. Um, I've just been, I've just met Ernie the dog, and his his uh, his. Uh, I took a picture of him. Maybe put that up on the site. Um, his 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 uh, owner said an interesting thing. He said, "Oh, that's Ernie. Don't apologise for Ernie. He's a harasser." <laughs> I thought I'm not being harassed. He's just doing his doggy thing. He's just checking me out and being trusting. So it seems to me that trust is a powerful, is a powerful um, thing to spread around and it might take time putting it out there before it necessarily comes back. But, but I think as Satish was saying, that's fine. You can choose to put the trust out and, and over time it may make a difference. But don't be put off if people don't seem to trust you back immediately. So I'd just like to end with a deep thank you to Satish Kumar for, for the work that you do and for spending the time with us wanderers out here in what must have been a very, you know, very, very busy day. If, you, if you're inspired to know more about what um, Satish is up to and the work that he's doing, do, do check out the, uh, the website of Schumacher College. They have lots of short courses. Um, which I, I think I'm going to go on one, treat myself. It's a little bit amazing. 
Um, Resurgence magazine is also wonderful, and it's bi-monthly, six, six issues a year, and is uh, really, really boys, boys me up uh, with the um, with the inspiration and the and the active change that you can that you can see in there. Um, thank you, Andrew, for sitting in the warm while we 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 tramped around in the in the cold. Really appreciate that. And uh, finally, thank you, thanks to you, listeners podcast listeners do 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 subscribe do like the podcast it helps us uh, it helps us bring this episodes these episodes to you and until we meet again on the wiggly road of life have a very wonderful time if you enjoyed the podcast i think you'll really like my book wonderful it's all about how to activate your inner compass so you can find better ways to live laugh love and other things beginning with l You'll find your copy on Amazon. And if that all sounds a bit salesy, the truth is all my proceeds go to my nonprofit Street Wisdom, which was set up to offer a fresh, new creative practice free to people all over the world. And let's face it, the world could do with a bit more creativity, right? Check out streetwisdom.org and you'll find audio guides, news about where events are taking place and other creative loveliness. If you're looking for your next step, it's a great place to start. So please like and subscribe to the podcast and have a wonderful day. Andrew, do you think people would like to know we actually have a new website, wonderfulpodcast.com, where people can find all the information about the show and our lovely archive of past episodes? Or should we keep that a secret between ourselves? I mean, we don't want too many people to come and crash the internet. <laughs> <laughs>